Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Redolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving god and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Redolf Bantwine, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents Adegas Media Production, The Dark Tome, Season 1, Episode 5, featuring Blind Love by Joe R. Lansdale and Casey Lansdale. Oh, oh, Cassie! Hi. Don't don't you have some place to be? Uh, I I've sort of been there already. Yeah, you've been messing around with the dark tome on your own again, haven't you? <laughs> you think? What do you got in your hand there? What? Oh, I, I uh, here. It, it looks like a an invitation. Open it if you'd like. I can't really guarantee it'll make any sense to you, or that you'll come back. Sounds like every story we've read so far. Yeah, maybe. Cassie? Yeah? You look good. Uh, huh? I don't mean anything funny by it, just, uh, you have a little twinkle to the eye. You going somewhere? Maybe. What time is it? Uh, ten past seven. Why? Well, there's a little dance tonight. I might still be able to get there if I hurry. Oh, well then, enjoy yourself. You know where to find me. Yes, I most certainly do. See you, Mr. Gussie. See you later. Well then, I guess I got the place to myself. (sighs) Per usual, I guess. Just you and me, Dark Tome. Oh, and of course... This, uh, invitation. Huh. Blind Love by Casey Lansdale and Joe R. Lansdale. That doesn't sound like an address. That sounds like a, a story. Well, <laughs> well, look at you, you devilish book. They're all glowing. What the hell did Cassie do to you, anyway? You're... Well, you're all charged up. That mean you got enough juice to transport an old codger like me somewhere? Let me try this again. Blind love. Blind love? What does that mean, exactly? I can almost see through... Yes... Old junk cars, a chain link fence. Uh, there's a there's a first line. I can almost make it out. It. Uh, I don't believe in love at first sight. <laughs> well, me neither. 
Lost at first sight, maybe. But love, not so much. It's a croc, that's what it is. Oh, well, hello there. You're uh, quite a pretty lady to be hanging around a junkyard. Ah, uh, yeah, about that. I'm worried something might have happened to my friend Aaron, and I'm scoping this place out. You want to come in with me? Uh, maybe. This your car? A Subaru? Yeah, I didn't come out here to make out or anything, so get that straight out of your head. Uh, hey, I didn't say, uh... That's how we got into all this trouble to start. Back to the lust thing, love thing, right? Somehow, I let my friend Aaron convince me to go to an eye-gazing party with her. An eye-gazing party? It's kind of a modern-day hippie's answer to speed dating. What you do is you go into a room with all these other sad, dateless men and women. A timer's set, and you sit down at a table and gaze into each other's eyes for two minutes without speaking. When you've done that with everyone in the room, you're supposed to choose the person you felt a burning eye connection with, go sit with them for a second round, and this time you can talk, having hopefully made a soulful bond by previous connection. Oh, I see why you were skeptical. I figured the first two minutes might only involve observing distracting mucus in a bulbous red sty. Not Erin. She was all in, high as a kite about the whole thing. It reminded me of the phase she went through when she was into massage therapy applied through psychic power. Uh, wait, a psychic massage? The masseur or masseuse waves their hands over your body and channels some kind of energy from beyond the veil or pulls it up from Mother Earth or some such thing and sticks it in your back through the enchanted power of healing hands. You're not touched. I'd injured my back once during a sex act with a gymnast. Uh, you what? He proved agile but had all the personality of a pommel horse. It was a one-time experience in which I was assured certain positions would bring me unique pleasure, but instead they brought me a bad back and three sleepless nights due to embarrassment and pain. Aaron assured me her psychic masseur could pull out the ache, if not the embarrassment. What he pulled out of me was $45 in an hour of my life. I went home with all the pain I came in with. Bottom line, Aaron, she's the kind who reads her horoscope for real believes there are special numbers in her life and thinks that constipation is the sign of energy clog instead of pizza, tacos, and an abundance of cheese. <laughs> we even did nude skydiving once. Well, there was the parachute. It was supposed to free our inner selves. She swore to me. We ended up with several seconds of fear, skinned knees, scraped asses, and coming down not in the field where we'd planned to, but in a grocery store parking lot in the middle of a busy Saturday afternoon. An episode that led to newspaper prominence, a fine, and overnight jail time. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a friend. You know what they say. Best friends are the ones laughing with you in the jail cell. But yeah, that was the problem. She is my best friend, and I felt obligated to support her in her quest for the perfect mate. This time via an eye-gazing party. So there we were, coming off a light, me driving. I think it sounds romantic. With a room full of people doing the same thing? I don't find that romantic so much as creepy. Which celebrity started this trend? I'm just trying to find happiness, Jaina. I don't think you're all that unhappy. You just think you're supposed to have a man to make you happy. What's that old saying? A woman needs a man like a fish needs a motorcycle? Bicycle. Well, if a fish doesn't need a bicycle, I'm gonna bet it doesn't need a motorcycle either. Thing is, you'll find someone, and if you don't, well, we can play cards at your house all day when we're old. You've gotta stop obsessing about having a relationship. I mean, you got all the tools. You're smart and pretty, have a good job and all your teeth. So eventually, someone who has all their parts working and isn't too scary to look at is gonna end up with you. Gee, thanks. Hey, 
I'm in the same boat here. My last date spent the whole night talking about his Lego collection. <laughs> Let me say this without meaning to hurt your feelings, Aaron. You're too desperate, and guys can smell desperation the way animals smell fear. Either they feed on it until there's nothing left of you, or it makes them nervous and they run. You may have a point, yet I feel like I'm running out of options. Jordan, girl I work with, she went to one of these events once. Met a guy there she's been with ever since. They've even started to dress alike. Obviously, your idea of what's adorable in a relationship is quite different from mine. If we turn around now, chicken out, and I end up with a house full of cats and a passion for macrame, you will be to blame. I am willing to carry that burden. Well, it's too late, because we're here. Where the hell's the turn? I can't see over all these hedgerows. There. Look at those cars. Makes this jalopy look like a hay wagon. Just be cool, okay? Uh-huh. Oh, do I look okay? All right. Okay, let's go. Uh, oh, look at that. Those cute little heart signs pointing to the house. This is either the place or an elaborate scam to kill us and sell us for body parts. You are always so negative. Experience has been a harsh teacher. Welcome. You must be here for the gazing. Actually, we're Mormons. Have you heard- Gina? I mean, yes, of course we are. Your receipt? Yes, uh, uh, here. She looked over our receipts. I was pretty sure that was $200 I'd have been better off wiping my butt with. Very good. Come in. Oh, look at this place. These pictures. Is this India? Yes, in West Bengal. That's where Swami studied. Very pretty. And all these little gold figurines. Love pays well, huh? Excuse me? I'm sorry, where are we going? Down here. Go in. The Swami awaits. <sighs> Watch that step down, though. It's a booger. I busted my butt there twice today. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> really, Jaina, I can't believe that... <gasps> oh... Whoa. Well, only a hair larger than Grand Central Station. Oh, it looks like the men are on that side of the room. Oh, and women here. Thank God no one I know is here. You're that embarrassed? Yes. Though, come to think of it, if I had any friends here, they should be embarrassed too. Come on. I think we're supposed to wait over there. With the other women. Right. On the far side of the room was another beaded curtain, and out of it came a man who looked like a badly drawn cartoon character. Mid-60s, short and thin, white socks with orange stripes and sandals, a ponytail of gray, frizzy hair. He carried a staff as if he might have to do a bit of mountain climbing in search of his goat herd a little later on. <laughs> is he really wearing a cape? I, I believe he is. At least he didn't come in behind a puff of smoke. The guy moved to the center of the room and lifted his staff like Moses about to strike rock and bring forth water. I am Swami Saul, and tonight you will bathe in the sweet essence of each other's souls. <sighs> oh, shit. Shh. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Humans have known this for centuries. 
Sometimes we forget the obvious. We don't always allow them to do the speaking. We look away. We look down. We don't even make eye contact when we talk. How many men in here really look at women when you speak with them? I mean their eyes, not their bodies. <laughs> I'm not denying that can also be a treat for the eyes. But think about it, men. How many of you fail to actually concentrate on the eyes and the soul of the women? I'm guilty of that. Uh, no need to comment. It was a rhetorical question. Today's society is too fast-paced, too reliant upon instant gratification. I promise you, after tonight, you will have truly touched each other's souls. And though I cannot make an absolute promise, you will match one another with your internal essence. You are more likely to do so here than through traditional dating, and therefore have a real opportunity to meet your proper soulmate. Is that what you would like? Is that why you're here? That question is not rhetorical. Oh. Aaron, later. When we're out of here, remind me to beat you to death with my purse. Jaina, be quiet. Oh my God, you're into it. Here is how it works. You are not allowed to speak. You sit across from your partner, and you first gaze into the left eye, then move slowly to the right. This is not a staring contest, so do what feels natural. <laughs> <clears throat> you must do this as I say, not as you want to do it, if you hope to have the results you desire. It is a far better method than just choosing your mate by appearance. He says, Shush! Your left eye is your receiver, and your right the activator. You do this for a full two minutes. We will tell you when time is up. Then you move to the next table and the next person into whose eyes you will gaze. So on and so on until finished with all the tables. When that is done, you will make a note of the number of the person with whom you felt the greatest sensation. And you will then have the opportunity to return to them for conversation. If that works, well, the rest will be up to Mother Nature. But remember, the eyes, the windows to the soul, that is where Mother Nature best reveals herself. That makes sense. Mother Nature is also responsible for what goes on in the bathroom, and I think this operation has a similar smell about it. You are always such an old stick in the mud. Okay, now all please take your seat and make sure your partner can see your number. I sat down in a chair across from a guy who had had garlic for his last meal and seemed proud of it. The problem was not only the strong aroma, it was the fact my eyes were hazing over with garlic fumes. He was nice looking enough, and I tried to smile and be nice and look him in the eyes without blinking, which made me feel a little bit like a lizard. 
This was about when Swami Saul came by and touched me on the shoulder. Blondie, relax, breathe. Let the experience unfold. You are not trying to melt him with your heat vision. Oh, yes, I am. You act as if you're facing the sun head on. Oh, oh sir, uh, let me offer you a mint. I, I can smell your lunch from here. The man was mortified, but I was glad when he took the mint Swami Saul offered him. By now, my time was over, and I moved on to let the next in line deal with his garlic and breath mint aroma. By the time I was trying to look into my fourth partner's soul, only to find that I was not sinking down into his essence, but was instead bouncing off his retinas, I was starting to slip looks at my watch. I'd been there about 15 hard minutes, only an hour and 45 minutes to go. Yes, that's it. Feel it. Ah, uh, hey, Swami? Uh, yes? Yeah, I don't think I'm doing this right. Can you give me some pointers? Believe. Let faith carry you. That's it? Okay, here's a tip. You're making crazy eyes at everyone. Relax. Think only of his eyes. Only of his eyes. The left, then the right. Each one has its own soul-felt story. Thanks. That's so, so helpful. <laughs> Good. I tried to do as Swami instructed, focus on one eye, not both, and blink on occasion so as to not appear psychotic. The guy in front of me, mousy in both attitude and appearance, made a jerky head bob, and I couldn't tell if he was seizing, having a chill, or giving me some kind of signal. Turned out he was nodding off a bit, and it was all I could do to not break out laughing. Oh, very good, yes, that's it. Feel the gaze. Feel the soul. Swami kept offering gentle reassurance, like the kind of narrator you have in crime programs who describes some horrible murder with the same calmness as you'd describe good weather. So Erin, right? She was totally into it. She was chatting up a guy who was good enough looking, but had done nothing for me in the soul department. I realized that's shallow, but hey, we were at an eye-gazing party, which is the definition of shallow, as well as stupid. So it did nothing for you, huh? Not really. Maybe there was a moment or two, but mostly it was a headache due to eye strain thanks to my astigmatism. Astigmatism? Like blurry vision? Uh-huh, that's right. In hindsight, it was a bad idea. It was a bad idea in foresight, too. It felt like enduring the first ice age, but we finally made it around the table. Attention! Attention! If everyone would break gaze and return to your place along the wall... And this time, please use the chairs. No need to stand. Be comfortable. Now, under your chair, you will find a basket containing papers and pens. Please use these materials to write the number of the person with whom you felt most connected. It is not uncommon to have uh, several choices. Place the number given to you at the top of your notations. We will then tally the numbers, make arrangements for another sitting, this time with timed communications with the person of your choice. I pulled the basket out from under my chair, trying to think if anyone had really made my eyes twitch, made my heart beat faster. And for the life of me, I was having a hard time remembering which man went with which number. Maybe Garlic Man? 
He wasn't so bad. And the breath mints helped. There was that guy in a blue button-down who had a nice air. Unless, of course, you count the cologne that smelled like horse balls. I came up with a few numbers to write on my paper, just not to be the odd woman out, folded the page, tossed it in the basket. I was surprised to find that everyone else seemed to have finished well ahead of me and were perched in their chairs like seals expecting fish for balancing balls on their noses. Even Aaron was staring straight ahead with the same intensity. Swami's greeter came with him, collected the baskets and arranged the numbers in separate piles. As they looked through them, it was clear something was up. What do you make of this? This has never happened before. It can't be right. I don't understand it. There's something wrong. Aaron, you think anyone chose me? Aaron, psst. Hey, Aaron. Earth to Aaron. <laughs> Interesting. I don't believe we've ever had it happen quite this way. We have a wide variety on the part of the men, but except for one woman... All of the women here have chosen the same man. This is a first. What do you mean? We all chose the same man? What, what happens now? As all but one woman will know, as she did not choose him, that number is Lucky 13. 13? Who the hell was 13? What kind of stud muffin was... Oh, you've got to be kidding me. What is wrong with you? Jealous? You want him just like everyone else. I do? Of course you do. I didn't pick him. Oh, bull, you came here with me and now you want him and you don't want to see me happy with him. Say what? Aaron, hey. Just leave me alone. So what was the big deal with number 13? That's the strange part. He was a boring looking guy of indeterminate age. He could have been 35 or 55. Pudgy with his few straggly hairs arranged as if by a weed eater. The suit he was wearing was thin and too large for him. It was cuffed unevenly at the sleeves and was either blue or gray. The color seemed undecided. He was wearing a stained white shirt with a tie with palm trees on it. After a few moments of staring at him, I was pretty sure I liked the looks of the tie better than him. And believe me, it was a split hair decision. <laughs> Not to pass judgment or anything, but he doesn't exactly sound like a winner. Let's just say if he was a lottery ticket, I wouldn't be taking home the Powerball. So, uh, how'd the other guys take it? They were pretty bummed. What else would you expect? They looked like they'd all been told they'd be electrocuted for the good of humankind. I didn't blame them. I don't want to be tacky. I mean, I know that it's not about looks once you get down to it, but come on. This was the beginning, when it's supposed to be superficial and shallow is all you have to work with. And as egotistical as it may sound, Aaron and I are something to look at, right? That did not escape my notice. I'm not the kind of girl who at a chance meeting is going to give a damn about personality. Then again, I'm also the kind of girl whose last boyfriend, as handsome and clever as he was, turned out to be married and to have two other girlfriends on the side and a website he managed called The Happy Goat. The Happy Goat. Oh, okay. Uh, that was the end of the night? Unfortunately, not. I think the women have chosen, gentlemen. Sorry. Only one lady here has picked a variety of numbers, and she now has the opportunity to visit with some of you. Pass. What? I'm that woman, and I'm gonna pass. Are you serious? If anyone picked me, sorry. 
I'm passing. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, it was rude, but I really didn't want to spend a lot of time hanging out with people I didn't really want to hang out with and had only written their numbers down so as not to be such an outsider. What I wanted to do was to follow all the other women over to number 13 and decide if I had really missed something. And did you? Uh, no. By the time I got over there, he was already thronged with a teeming mass of giggling women. And believe me, he looked better at a distance. I went over to Swami Saul. So, one man, huh? And that man? All the women here, except me, are attracted to him. Really? Really? What kind of racket is this? Racket? What are you talking? Do they look displeased? Our women have never looked happier. I don't get it. Me either. And you and I and Mildred here are the only ones that don't. You two didn't look into his eyes. I did. There's nothing there. I don't get it. By now, my head was pounding and my eyes were watering. My astigmatism had been given a serious workout, eyeballing all those men, and I felt I needed a new set of contacts. Maybe with contacts, number 13 would look a lot more attractive. Maybe all them women have brain tumors. I wouldn't take that balding grubber to a dog fight if he was the defending champion. Now, now, remember you're enlightened now, Mildred. <gasps> oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot. So what's the answer? I don't know. You don't think it was rigged? Swami and Mildred seemed as confused as I was. That said, Mildred struck me as having come into the world confused and having gone through the years without noticeable improvement. By this point, the men had all filed out and Swami and Mildred started packing up the chairs and baskets. The women were still all fawning around number 13. With some effort, I managed to pry Erin loose. She came, but only after she'd gotten a slip of paper with number 13's address on it, something every other woman had gotten as well. Let me guess, the address was Sahia. Uh, yeah, I'll get to that. Erin and I didn't speak much on the way home. It was obvious she hadn't forgiven me for not agreeing with her pick. Look, I don't see it, but I could be wrong. Could be. Well, you don't know if something works until it works, do you? Oh, it'll work. He told me so. He told you that, did he? Oh, yes. With his eyes. He told me with his eyes. That's why I'm here. I haven't seen her since. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. 
In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places. The instinct right away was it was a political thing. We're talking about Russian-trained, high-ranking officer in the Secret Service. An Assassin Comes to Town, a six-part podcast. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. What happened? I tossed and turned all night. Felt like I was sleeping on a bed of tacks. I couldn't get it out of my head. What was wrong with me that I didn't see what the other women all saw in that guy? But I knew, right? The uh, astigmatism. Yeah. I started wondering, what if this guy had some kind of special power? What if he was some kind of special predator? And what if an eye-gazing party was the perfect place for a monster like him. It didn't add up. It sure didn't. Next morning, I went to Aaron's work, a nice little coffee shop that makes a mean Americano and has books for sale. If you don't mind buying books with chocolate biscotti thumbprints all over them. Um, some of which may have been mine. Hi, can I help you? Um, actually, I was looking for Aaron. Is she here? Uh, yeah, yeah, she, I haven't seen her. Uh... We were looking for Aaron? her, we tried to call her. She better show up, and she better have a good excuse and a better lie than Bigfoot. Oh, all right, well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's when I started calling Aaron. Hi, it's Aaron and Mr. Wiggles. Please leave a message. I went over to her place. No one answered the door. I knew where she kept the spare key, since when she's out of town, I come over to feed the cats and snack on her Diet Cokes and vanilla cookies. I let myself in, and the place was as empty as a politician's head. Now I was really worried. Her laptop was on the kitchen table, still on, and I took a look. A Google Maps screen was up, with directions, to a place called Mike Tutino's Junkyard. I thought, well, that's gotta be the place. The address she got from number 13, she's gone over to check him out. Maybe she'd gone over there and gotten lucky. If you could call betting down with that loser lucky, I'd rather have a root canal performed by a drunk chimpanzee. Something wasn't adding up. I googled the junkyard some more. It was out of service. Had been for a lot of years. The place had been shut down for environmental issues, waste oil going into the stream or something. This story was on a local TV station's website, and that's when I saw the breaking news. A woman was missing. Actually, a bunch of women were missing. You recognize them? Yeah. They were all girls who'd been at the eye-gazing party. That's when I printed out the directions from Aaron's laptop and went down to my car. I was going to check out the junkyard. Just for a look. Which brings us to the present moment. You catch up quick, Gramps. Yeah. Here we are. 
way out in the boonies at a junkyard that's long gone bust where a bunch of women are already missing. And that's basically the situation. And you decided to wait until after dark? Well, they were running Friends reruns. I binged a bit, okay? Don't ask what happened to the cookie dough ice cream. You coming? Yeah, I'll be right along. I don't quite know how the rules of this thing work, but I don't think you can help me, can you? You're just what, along for the ride? So when I get raped and killed, you can call the police for me? Is that it? Not sure I can even do that. It did occur to me to call the cops, but then I thought, hmm, all I have to go on here is that we were all at the same party last night, and it was an eye-gazing party. It was hard to imagine they would take me seriously. Let me try Aaron one more time. Yeah, didn't think so. Let's do it. Either I find Aaron, or maybe I get myself some jail time with a tattooed friend named Molly Sue who likes it twice on Sundays. Over here. Looks like there's a break in the fence. Oh. Ah. Ah. Looks like they should offer haunted hay rides, doesn't it? None of the cars here were driving in my lifetime, I don't think. Nope. Grass grown up through all this row of cars as tall as my knees. <sighs> hmm, dry as a tinderbox, too. No dogs with teeth like razor blades, that's good. No alarms, no lights, no rifle shots. I'd say we're doing good so far. It's like a maze in here. Really? A very good entrance to the Love Palace. Hold a sec. I'm going to climb up on this car. Let me give you a hand there. Uh, let's see. More busted cars. Sketchy looking truck. Sketchy looking garage. Place where they probably dumped the bodies and... There. A house. There's even a light on. Well then. Let's take a look. And look. What? Oh, oh, it's a Nissan Altima. Aaron's car. Oh, crap. Well, it's real. She's here. There are a bunch of cars. I'm pretty sure a lot of them were at the party. They were the ones that were so nice, remember? Oh, geez. Okay. Now, where the hell did the light go? I swear I saw one on. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Just a possum. Oh, God. A possum. Can I look in through a window here? Maybe she and number 13 will be on the couch watching Netflix or something. Windows are boarded up. So the boarded up windows are either a gigantic burning red flag or a tasteful way to hide the orgy of epic proportions that's going on in there right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah? That's the best you got for me? Okay. Um, weapon. Weapon. Uh, what do I got for... Hey, it's not like I carry a handgun or anything. Maybe I should. Nail file? Maybe. Maybe I got a rubber band. Any chance you could MacGyver something for me? Help a lady out? No, I didn't think so. Well, screw it. I'm gonna try the door. Okay. Well, that was easy. Too easy. Look at this place, wow. A lot more normal than I expected, though all this dust needs a woman's touch, doesn't it? I suppose. Well, some woman who isn't me. Me, you get a pile of dirty laundry in the corner and enough drain hair to create a rope doll. 
You have a rather colorful sense of words. Oh, I'm a romance writer. Didn't I tell you? I know. Quite the irony. I write under a pen name, of course. Someday I'll quit the bodice ripping and write the great American novel. Hey. What? You hear something? I heard you. Shh. That stupid possum again. I'm not sure whether to be creeped out or relieved. I'm pretty sure we're alone in here, right? But if that's true, where the hell is Aaron? Where are all the other girls? Screw it. You know what? We have plenty of information to bring to the police. Let them come sniff around this place. <gasps> what the hell was that? The front door. Hey, Jana! What? Behind you! Oh, wow. Oh, son of a... Jana spins around to see what looks like an ottoman standing with a sound like crackling walnuts and a dislocation of sparkling dust that drifts across the room. The figure is a water clothes and flesh backlit by the shards of moonlight that shine through the boarded-up windows. Though I hadn't seen him before, I'm sure this is the number 13 that Jaina told me about. Oh, oh, son of a bitch! I, I gotta hide! I gotta... I gotta... I gotta... Oh, no. Her sneeze goes off like a starter pistol, and there's number 13 shuffling through the dust, coming right at her. She spins around, about to take off like a sprinter before the floorboards squeal with an unearthly pitter-patter and then 13 as a... If you want to be honest about it, I'm pretty embarrassed about that scream. The kind of scream a five-year-old girl would be proud of. I yank back and wheel about on my heels, and then I'm staring at him. The blank, flat, and uninteresting eyes of number 13. But... No, something's in there. Something moves. I actually hear a crackling as if a fuse had shorted. And for a moment, it seems as if his eyes slip together and become one. I blink, and then I'm looking at the same guy, bald and doughy with ugly gray eyes. Have you seen Aaron? Did you just ask him? I did, where's Aaron? He doesn't respond. He just leans forward, giving me the hairy eyeball. And then I get it. He's waiting on me to swoon. He can't figure out why his evil eye isn't working, why the hoodoo doesn't do whatever it's supposed to do. And that's when I bring the nail file out of my pocket and slash him across the face. (laughs) Then I run. (laughs) He pursues her on all fours, fast and light as a wind-blown leaf. He's a kind of wiggly thing, all kinds of weird angles. He chases her into a hallway where there's a better view of the moon thanks to a good-sized hole in the roof. Here, she grabs a pitcher and whirls. She gets him good right on the head, and he stumbles back. But then he's on her again, making a noise like a cat with its tail caught in a door. Uh, get off me, you dirty piece of And... I get a good look of number 13 in the mirror. He's a little more than a skeleton topped by a bulbous head scented by one big eye. But then I blink and he's different again. Back to being a stumpy, balding man in an ill-fitting suit. His mouth wide open and arms outstretched, trying to take Jaina down. By now, adrenaline's running through me like a pack of cheetahs. I grab a small table and swing it like a nightstick. Ah! Woo! 
Oh, it's a good shot. The table shatters into splinters as it cracks his head. The head moves farther to the right than I think a head could move. He does a little backward flop, drops to the floor, and lays there shaking his head like he's collecting his brain cells one by one. She fights the front door. It's sealed as tight as a ship gunnel. Stairs. Gotta, gotta find, gotta find a place to hide. Place to hide. Here. You thought the closet was the best idea? What the hell are you doing here? I seem to come along wherever you are. You must have been quite the hide-and-seek player growing up. Oh, shut up. It was the best I could come up with under difficult circumstances. When was the last time you were chased by... whatever that was? An alien from Planet Zippy. Um, where's my phone? I want to see where I've hidden myself. A pile of shoes. Oh, look at those heels. I'll need to take those with me. And, uh, clothes, um... Oh, oh, God! What is it, Jenna? Ladies' clothes. Clothes from the ladies at the eye-gazing party. Inside. What? Looks like... deflated sex dolls. What? Look. Oh. It's Aaron. That's Aaron? It is. Oh, jeez. Look. It's her. It's my friend. But she's not inside anymore. It's like a condo without its master in action. Oh, I'm gonna be sick. I think he's coming. Oh, God. God. Aaron. I'm gonna have to hide here behind the deflated women. You hear that? I think he walked past the closet. Thank God. Thirteen comes at her. Best I can say it, both the doughboy nondescript man and the bony cyclops-like monster. That's when Jaina makes her move. She grabs a stiletto heel off the floor of the closet and stabs it right into its central gooey eye. And it's a good shot. It's as if his forehead was made of liquid. The heel of the shoe plunges into his skull and goes deep. Springs back, squirming across the hallway, shape-shifting. First an ottoman, cheap junk from Goodwill. Then a pile of clothes, then the doughy man. Then, finally, the skeleton creature, his true form. I push against the wall, trying to slip along it toward the stairs, taking advantage of his blindness. He staggers upright on his bony legs, weakly clawing at the shoe in what's left of his eye, jerks it loose, and begins waving his arms about, slamming into the wall, feeling for me. He stumbles into the open closet, knocks the clothing rack down, scattering the clothes and deflated bodies across the hallway. When I get to the edge of the stairs, I turn to look back. He lifts his blind head and sniffs the air, then shoots towards me. Quick as a matador, she sidesteps him, and he goes careening past her, scratching the air, before coming down hard on the steps, tumbling down the stairs with a sound like someone breaking a handful of chopsticks over their knee. When he hits the bottom, he shatters. Then the pieces writhe and wither. 
and turn into piles of blackened soot. Well, shit. First step's a doozy. All that sparkly dust that it collected in the house whirls up into an impossible wind and starts up the stairs. Quite clearly, in the dim light, I can see the faces and shapes of women in that dust. Look, it's Aaron. It's going into the closet. The black soot piles that had been 13 don't move. No matter that the wind goes right over them with its dusty passengers. Oh, hell. Look! It's filling them back up again. or some kind and all your essence was sucked out and turned to sparkly dust for no reason I can figure and you were a skin hanging in a closet inside your clothes and I rescued you by killing the monster with a shoot of the eye causing the dust to crawl down your throat and fill you back up again. Wait, what? I think this is going to take some time. Uh, but I prefer we talk about it somewhere else. Yo, Pops! You can find your way out of here, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just make sure all these ladies find their way home. Ain't that right, ladies? You drank my Diet Coke. We'll get some more on the way home. And a handle of Captain Morgan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... I guess I couldn't be so lucky. I'm back at the shop. Hope all those women make it home okay. Uh, assuming they are real. Which leads me to wondering, how much of this dark tome actually is real? How much? Oh, don't go thinking that way. It'll drive you crazy, old Gus. Oh, hey, Cassie. You back so soon? Uh, Cassie? I, I, I had to get out of there. I, I, I had to get away from him. Him? Him who? Mark, he's mom's... Uh, I, I, I don't know what he is. I, I just needed to be away from him. Well, come on. Take a seat, Cassie. You're safe here. I, I'm going to crash in the basement like I used to, okay? Uh, you used to when? When you were in the hospital and a few other times you weren't around, when I needed somewhere to go. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. That's fine. You want me to hang around? No, no, no. I'd, I'd rather be on my own. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to turn in then. My apartment's upstairs. You need anything? I'll let you know. Thanks. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, see you tomorrow, I, I reckon. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Every 
every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to The Dark Tome, a Degas media production presented by Realm. Produced by Fred Greenhalge and William DeFries. Full cast and crew credits, behind-the-scenes photos, and transcripts at thedarktome.com. That's thedarktome.com.